Welcome to the Vulnerable Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Almeida. Each week, we'll share inspiring stories and tips on facing vulnerability and the lessons we can use to help us be able to find success and fulfillment in our own lives. With each episode, we hope to impact one listener. And if anything you've heard has impacted you, we'd appreciate you sharing it on social. Thank you for listening. Now let's get vulnerable. Jim Morrison said, expose yourself to your deepest fear. After that, fear has no power, and the fear of freedom shrinks and vanishes. You are free. This is episode 40 of the Vulnerable Podcast with Akshay Nanavati. His family moved around quite a bit as he was growing up, and this made him very good at figuring out how to fit in and making friends. Unfortunately, this would eventually lead to him falling in with the wrong crowds, which led to drug addiction and coming close to an overdose. Then he joined the Marines, straightening him out a bit, but returning for more with a new set of struggles to face. After almost taking his own life, he finally found a way to work through his challenges, using fear. Now, as the founder of Fearvana, he is helping people embrace fear to live limitless lifestyles. He also continues to push his own fears through ultra marathons and crazy adventures. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get vulnerable with Akshay Nanavati. Hey, Akshay, thank you for coming on the Vulnerable Podcast. Um, our interaction was quick through Instagram there, and uh, I'm just glad you decided to come on, as I'm sure your story can and help some of my listeners. So again, thank you for taking the time to come on. Thank you so much for having me, and I, I hope it helps. Awesome. So the, the first question I ask every guest to get started is, what is your definition of vulnerability? I, I think vulnerability to me is the willingness to be exposed, and all, to expose all of you, your darkness and your light. Uh, and inherently, the implication there is inherently that you have to be willing to go to those spaces within to truly understand your own darkness and your light in order to be willing to, to share that. And not just for others, but it helps you. I think it's an act that tremendously helps you when you're willing to expose your own demons and your own divinity, both sides of the duality. No, for sure. I mean, that makes complete sense because I don't think that if we're, you know, only showing people the best parts of ourselves that we're being true to ourselves, which leads yeah. to a whole bunch of other struggles. I, I went through those a few years ago in terms of, you know, I, I hopped onto social media and I was telling this great story and then I was like, this isn't really the whole truth. <laughs> and it made yeah. me sort of back away and, and then have to sort of rethink things. And, and yeah, so I can, I can, you know, maybe not understand the same way, but I can definitely relate. So if you were to think back, um, you know, as far back as you want to go, what would you say would be your earliest memory of facing some sort of vulnerability or struggle in your own life? The earliest memory would be, uh, as far as like facing a real, well, partly the problem <laughs> challenge with that is now what I look at the earliest memories of struggles, they're like nothing compared to <laughs> what I've recently gone through. So I don't even deem them as a struggle. But if I look at like sort of an earliest memory of what I at the time felt like a struggle, it would be moving from place to place because we moved around a lot. So I moved from three to Bombay to Bangalore in India. Then, then from eight years old, I moved from Bangalore to Singapore. Then at 13 years old, I moved from Singapore to Austin. So in, wow. by the time I was 13, I'd lived in four different cities. So the moving was challenging constantly. The nerves of confronting a new place, a new world. Back then, you know, the internet wasn't what wasn't what it was, so you can't research about the place. Like yeah. as a quick example, when I moved from Singapore to Austin, everybody—I mean, 
Austin is a very chill city, but we had heard Texas, right? So yeah. everybody, literally my friends in Singapore were like, dude, you're going to Texas. You're a brown guy. They're going to hate you there. You know, like <laughs> Texas is going to be racist. And I was like, oh my God, now I'm going to this place. I'm an eight year old kid. You know, I'm terrified. So, uh, <laughs> so it was funny. Like the, and then that move inevitably was, was a little challenging, um, navigating that each time. No, for sure. So what would you say helped you sort of get through it um, each time? I mean, uh, like you said, it might not be as much of a struggle as you would have uh, as you compared to now. But even back then, like, what did you do to help yourself sort of get through that and overcome the challenges in each different place that you moved? Uh, Thankfully, I've always had great uh, supportive parents, very loving. So they really always kind of have my back. Uh, And I guess that also was pretty good at making friends part of the challenge in that which later on led me to very negative things like drugs but uh, but was that I was very adaptable to this day adaptability if I had to list sort of three strengths adaptability would be one of them I was able to mold into the environment to find um you know ways to fit in ways to ultimately then make friends and as a result once you do I adapted pretty quick if I remember correctly you know, I don't have the I don't have the best memory of, of the past to be honest with you. But uh, but from what I from I remember what my family even told me, I like even when we moved from Bombay to Bangalore, which is the one I least remember because I was pretty young. But Bangalore, I still have friends to this day that I'm in touch with. From moving to Singapore, I remember making friends and being very you know moving there really quick. Uh, Austin, I think probably the move I was most nervous about was moving from Austin. I mean, from Singapore to Austin because it's kind of out of Asia, the other side of the world now. Yeah. In America and this, you know, <laughs> and so, um, but even that move, like, I believe if I remember correctly, I was nervous. And I also, it was a kind of funny story. I was this little goofy kid, very little goofy kid with a British accent. So when I came here, I would say things like lift instead of elevator or canteen instead of cafeteria. And so they're like, who's this silly kid speaking this weird foreign <laughs> language, essentially, you know, I'd be like, where's the canteen? And they're like, what? <laughs> you know? so, or like, I would say like a cinema hall instead of movie theater, stuff like that. So uh, uh, it was at first challenging, but in a way that also helped me like, oh, they were just, we're a unique kid and, and make some friends. So yeah, adaptability, support, those helped me navigate na- navigate that time, which, in, as I look at even my more recent and much more challenging struggles, they, those those characteristics have helped as well. No, so I, I, usually I would ask like, what would be the strength that you discovered in yourself at the time? But it seems like adaptability was sort of that strength, even though you're saying it may not have been the best thing in the world, at, you know, looking forward. But I guess at that time, that was sort of that strength. And and like you just said a few minutes ago, or a couple of seconds ago, I should say, um, that's helped you now. So I guess your, yeah. your ability to adapt to the situation has been sort of that strength that you carry from from sort of those experiences. I think it is a tremendous strength always, no matter what, even to this day it is, it is but where, where, where it went negative was, and, and where it can is when you adapt too much to your environment without having uh, enough of a self-assurance of who you want to be in the relationship to that environment. So it's, so yes, you always need to somewhat mold into environment, right? You move to a new place, a new culture. You can't just go in there and say, "We, I know how to, how to do things. That's a whole separate story of, on a larger scale. But you go in there and you understand the culture and you mold into it. But you don't become that. You still stand. So it's kind of this, there's this coexistence of integrating while differentiating. And sort of what where I was missing out was the differentiating part, which is why after moving to Austin, pretty soon after moving, I got very heavily into drugs, and I wasn't I wasn't sure who I was and who I wanted to be. As a result, I sort of just adapted to 
the group of friends that I, and again, I don't blame them. I take hundred percent responsibility, but as a young child, having moved four times, you have no sense of real self, or at least I have had no sense of self-awareness and ability to differentiate and stand out about who I wanted to be in the context of my environment. No, I, I mean, I can, again, I can relate. I mean, in terms of fitting in, I remember all through high school, um, you know, I changed sort of the way that I dressed, the music that I listened to, the things that yeah. I was interested in, because I wanted to fit in with certain groups. So like the first cool. year of high school, I was very into like hip hop and I dressed in sort of an urban way. And then, yeah. you know, grade 10, 11, I was more into like house music and dance music and I dressed in a certain type of way. Yeah. And then my last year of high school, I got into like rock music and hang out with the skaters and wore like, you know, the skate <laughs> shoes and the bag. So, and it was like each year I was a different person and it wasn't until I hit college that I was like, okay, wait. If I keep doing this, where am I going? I need to just be me. And if people like it, great. And if they don't, great. Like, who cares, right? But, you know, again, I I can't say that it led me down the same path as what you're saying, and and which I hope we'll get into. But I can definitely relate where we can get into these these senses of needing to fit in. And so we just sort of change who we are just because we have that that urge to like be part of a clique or be part of a group of people. And yeah. I mean, I don't talk to any of those people anymore. So it right. really was sort of, you know, a, a cool experiment, I guess. But at the end of the day, like it didn't really lead anywhere other than, you know, trying different things and listening to different types of music throughout those years. So, um, yeah. but yeah, so anyway, so, uh, you know, I guess at this point, you know, maybe you can get into sort of the, the stories that you were, you were talking, you were sort of alluded to at the beginning there and, mm-hmm. and just give us an idea of sort of what happened at that point when you decided to sort of try and fit in too much and, and it led you down these, the, this sort of path that, again, that you were alluding to. Yeah, that's, I mean, I would, when I always look back at my life, I would say that was kind of the true starting point of what eventually got me to where I am now and what I do with Fearvana. Because that's when I got heavily into drugs, right? And and I've always been this kind of person, to this day I am, that would push the line in everything I pursue. So that's what I did. I was, me and one other guy were the first two to start going into harder stuff. And that friend is no longer alive today. I lost two friends to, uh, to the, who overdosed, who died as a result of the lifestyle we were engaging in. And I got into a very dark way. I still have scars on my arm from when I used to cut myself, burn myself, and was just very, very self-destructive. I mean, I did, I have a countless amount of stories of, things that I could not, like many ways I could not have been here talking to you today, like things that could have easily killed me multiple times. Thankfully though, I got out. I had, I saw the movie Black Hawk Down, which I don't know if you've ever yeah, seen. Yeah. yeah, that movie planted the seed that changed my life. That movie planted the seed that then got me out of this very self-destructive way and wanted to seek out a world where you live for the good of the group. You know, in the movie, you see these courage of men sacrificing their lives and giving their lives for somebody else. And it made me wonder, would I be able to do that? Would I, I mean, what kind of person does that? And um, so almost, I mean, after watching the movie, I read the book Black Hawk Down, almost, and started reading book after book on military and life in combat, almost overnight, stopped doing drugs, decided to join the Marines. But even that was a struggle because I have a blood disorder that two doctors told me would kill me in Marine Corps boot camp. I have flat feet, I have scoliosis, I have a bunch of genetic flaws that I, thanks mom, you know, (laughs) (laughs) but uh, I mean, obviously I kid about that part, it's not an issue, but it was an issue in terms of joining the Marines, like I had to wait about a year and a half to get in because I had to get medical waivers. Only reason I think I got in because it was a post 9-11 world, had it not been a wartime environment, I don't think I would have got in. Uh, So it took a while to kind of fight my way in and see multiple doctors, all that kind of stuff. So got in. Went to Marine Corps boot camp. Obviously, that was challenging, infantry school, but I, I thrived. That's where I started to discover really the beauty of struggle, the beauty of going into the spaces of pain and, and challenge. 
and graduated infantry school as an honor graduate. And from there, I started looking for other ways to test myself. So I went like mountain climbing, cave diving, skydiving, uh, rock climbing, like nat- everything, all the outdoor sports you can think of. I began pursuing in nature to explore my limitations and engage fear, engage challenge. Then in 2007, was deployed to Iraq as an infantry marine, uh, where one of my jobs in Iraq was to walk in front of our vehicle convoys looking for bombs before they could be used to kill me and my fellow Marines. So had an interesting job out there, had an interesting experience, tremendous life experience, obviously a lot of struggles, uh, but beauty in that as well. Came back from the war, was soon started drinking heavily. At this point, I had completely stopped drugs, of course, but the drinking hadn't stopped. College student, at the, you know, before Marines, you drink. I mean, you never, it wasn't a problem per se. And slowly it started becoming one. And one day of drinking over the weekend led to two, would eventually led to a point where I would be drinking, I mean, a full bottle of vodka every day. I'd wake up, drink, drink till I pass out, then wake up, drink again, go to the store, drink, get a bottle, drink again. And this would go on for sometimes five to seven days until my body just could not finally take it. And at one point after this, I, I woke up one morning and just thought this pattern, this lifestyle would never end. So I thought about walking over to my kitchen, picking up a knife and slitting my wrist. Jesus. And that was kind of the, uh, that was the low point. I've had a few since then too, but, <laughs> but that was kind of the low point that led to the climb out of the abyss, if you will. I started researching neuroscience, psychology, spirituality to understand myself, understand suffering, understand, because obviously I'm not the only person in the world who's gone through pain or it was going through it or is going through, you know, we all go through our challenges. So how do we navigate that? How do we, how do we handle pain and keep moving forward? Right. And that's what led me to this work that I now do with Fearvana and the idea of helping people transform their struggles, their fears, their pain into an experience of bliss and enlightenment. Eventually wrote the book Fearvana and uh, have the business, and here we are. I mean, not to say I don't, not to say life is all yeah. perfect and I don't go through struggles now, but certainly in a far better place than I've been. There's been a lot, a lot of ups and downs to get here. <laughs> no, I, I mean, so I'm gonna just take a second here because this is yeah, part of the reason. <laughs> no, 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 and this this is part of the reason that, like I said before, we hopped on. I don't do a ton of research because. If I had of and I hadn't known all that, my reaction to it, my everything wouldn't have been mm. as true as it is right now. And for me, it's, you know, I get, and this has happened multiple times where I sort of get a loss for words because as much as I understand that, you know, there's no point in comparing, which, you know, comparison, like they, I think there's a, I don't know who said it, but comparison is the thief of all joy. And, and I don't tend to compare my life or anybody else's, any other story that's been shared to anybody's. But when I hear stories like yours, you know, where people have just gone through like sort of an unsurmountable amount of struggle and, and pain and stuff in their life, it just throws me back because it, it just, it, it makes me think about the fact that, you know, some of the things that I might have complained about, or some of the things that a lot of us might complain about, you know, the fact that, you know, whatever, it's the simplest thing I can think about is like, you know, oh my God, it's Monday, you know, <laughs> it's like, some of us will be like, oh, it's Monday, I have to go to work and, da, 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 and, and like, we get ourselves into this rut. And yet, you know, there's somebody like you who I don't even think I know anybody else that's sort of gone through what you just explained right now and been able to sort of come out of it at least, you know, like, like you said, you lost friends and, and at some points you were very close to losing your own life. And, and again, it's just, for me, it's hard to imagine uh, getting, getting to that point and just having that sort of, 
being in that sort of place, like I said, because again, you know, like if I look at my own life, I really don't have much to complain about when it comes to, you know, the struggles and things that I've faced. So, you know, just to, you know, I think you've touched on it a bit, but just to get an idea, like what, if you, if you, I guess if you reflected back on all the things that you went through um, over the last, I guess, I don't know, what was sort of the window of that, if you don't mind me asking, because just to get an idea, you said about college till, Oh, so from like the get, I think I joined the Marines when I was 19, uh, enlisted at 18, but again, it took a little, a uh, little while to get in. So joined at 19 and then, uh, up to all of that stuff happening and then writing Fearvana, uh, launching Fearvana was about two years ago. So three years ago. Okay. Yeah. So, so 19 to 32. Okay. So yeah. So it's a pretty surmountable amount of time. It's not yeah, just, you know, there was, five years or. Yeah. Obviously there was a lot of other mini stuff here and there, but that was kind of the summary of the main, the key points on that, on that journey. No, um, sure. Yeah. So, so reflecting back on everything again, like I was saying, like what would you, what was the toll that that took on you? Cause I can only imagine that, you know, like from what you said and, and getting to the points that you've gotten, I can get an idea, but if you don't mind just sort of giving us an idea, like what was the toll that that took on you mentally, whatever, emotionally, however you want to put it, what, what, how would you sort of put that? Sure. Yeah. You know, the, the remnants of it sometimes still stay with you. Cause I mean, to this day, I, I get into the stuff like, you know, complain about little things and I get caught up in that. And I sometimes forget the, uh, we all forget stuff right like we forget mm-hmm. sometimes i forget like oh, the other day i was talking to somebody and sharing my own advice with them about fear of honor and i was like you should listen to your own advice you idiot you know what i mean like we all kind of forget that stuff so I, I still get caught up in that but like the toll of i mean even coming back from the war you know i lost a friend in the war I've lost two junior marines to suicide and there's it, this, there's a lot of that stuff that lives with you you know i mean it was it's only till recently and for, that i have a forgiven myself for the, for that, like in the sense, and it's, and that's still a work in progress. Forgiveness is not an instant thing and it happens, but that I felt like I should have died instead of my friend that in the war, you know? And so the, the, the beauty and the, uh, again, this is sort of that duality of darkness and light, which we were touching on because they both is, I mean, I'm, I'm tremendously grateful for this life experience that I've had. It would not, I, I would not be the person today that I am without all of this collective life experience. I feel blessed to have lived, I mean, many lifetimes in my 35 years, you know, I mean, beyond other stuff I mentioned, I've like climbed mountains in the Himalayas, I've skied across polar ice cap where I dragged 190 pound sled for 350 miles across an ice cap in, in minus 40 degrees, you know? So there's all these things that have these experiences that I've been blessed to have. And the challenge of it is because of that, it taints your, for one, in, in sometimes good ways, but sometimes in bad ways, it taints your lens of the world um, it, it, from having all these experiences, right? You've now, you've now created different perspective, different lenses. So on one side, on a very light level, like, you know, you look at certain things and like, like the other day I was out with somebody in a very joking way. We saw like a hill and where they're like, that's beautiful. I was like, eh, I've seen better, you know, cause I've been there. <laughs> now that's a complete joke. I was just doing that to mess with them. Uh, but, but the point is in that sense, you know, your experiences of the human condition of yourself, they change and you've seen so much darkness. And sometimes that stays with you, not just like within I've seen darkness, but outside, you know, war zones worked in post-conflict zones with former child soldiers with young women who are victims of sex trafficking and leper colonies, seen extreme poverty. So you see the extreme edges of the human condition uh, within and without. And as a result, the challenge one becomes now the mundane can be very hard. So sometimes I struggle in this world to this day, it's still somewhat a battle. I'm much better, but to, you know, there's moments for sure. 
that I, like I'm, I'm more comfortable in a war zone or like seeing across an ice cap than like here, you know? So sometimes the mundane becomes challenging. And the other pull is that you have to temp, you have to temper your desire to keep seeking the extremes because I've experienced so many edges of the human condition a huge part of me always wants to go back. It's very addictive. There's a beauty, there's a hide, there's even in the darkness of it, there's a kind of purity to that experience when you're on the edges. Um, I mean, like to this day, I want to go back into a war zone. Like after coming back from Iraq, I went to journalism school because I wanted to go back uh, to conflict as a, as a war photographer, as a war journalist. So I've gotten again, much better at tempering it, but it's, it's not always easy. I have, I still have challenging moments navigating that and recognizing that like, I mean, now I have a business, I build a business, but man, sitting on a, sitting, like building my business, sitting on a business, you know, writing a computer, sitting on my desk, writing a computer is hard sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> so, no. Yeah. So that's kind of, I would say some of the challenges that uh, as a result of all of these collective life experiences. No, it, it makes you sort of, the couple of things that sort of came up as you're talking about that is, and and I'm I'm sure you've made this correlation before, but you know you talked about having an addiction to drugs at one point in your life, and now you're addicted to extremes of another point. So it just it, it seems to me that there's and and I think this is something that not just you experience that a lot of us experience is that we find these things that we tend to get addicted to and and don't even necessarily understand it. Like for me, for example, and and I don't know if I can. Uh, claim it as an addiction but you know for me i smoked marijuana for quite some time mm -hmm. and you know and, and what i've realized recently is is almost as if it was something for me to ignore other things that were going on you know mm -hmm. so it was for me mm -hmm. to ignore other things that you know uh when i when i got i guess more heavily into it i guess you would say it was when my grandfather passed away and i didn't deal with his passing very very well like i didn't mm -hmm. grieve very well i just sort of dove into trying to start my own business and then smoking and, mm -hmm. and all these other things. And it wasn't until like a year after his passing when I had a conversation with somebody in my family where, uh, you know, I sort of opened up to realizing that I was putting, I guess I was putting it in the wrong way. So instead of sort of, basically it was very quick. So instead of uh, recognizing that there might have been more to it, I just couldn't understand or couldn't deal with the fact that it happened so quickly. And, and so I got into this mindset of like, oh, what if I had done this? What if I had have called more often? What if I had have visited more often? So on and so forth. And so again, you know, not to get into my own story, but just it just makes me wonder if a lot of these things are to sort of block out other things, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah, we can do a, we do a lot to block out uh, our own pain uh, going into those spaces. I mean, sometimes even the positive things we do, like working on a business or I remember when I came back, you know, I did that one month ski crossing of Greenland. That's a positive thing. It's better than drinking. I've been invited to do speaking events because of it. It was awesome. People praised me for it. But really, in like, I'm very, very aware now that I was doing that just to con continue running away from confronting my my survivor's guilt and all this stuff that I felt from the war, you know? So, and to this day, you have to be really present to what am I doing to run away from things? Like as, in a very, as a, another example, this is a very recent uh, piece of awareness is I spent like a few months ago, I spent seven days in pitch darkness, isolation and silence to just to be still within myself. So complete dark room, like can't see your hand in front of you, darkness, seven days, 24 seven. Intense experience, right? Now, when I look at it, I, 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 was no, I, I was saying that I was doing that to confront stillness and to confront solitude and to be alone with myself. But the reality was, as, and this is very recent awareness, literally like maybe a few weeks ago, 
was even that was an experience of me seeking in extremes. That's an extreme way to practice stillness. Mm -hmm. And I struggle with stillness in this world still. You know, like I meditate, but not like I, I mean, I was looking for a way out of stillness to this world. So now, I, for a long time, I justified that the darkness was my experience of the stillness. And so, you know, I'm good. But, uh, and the thing is, I'll go to the darkness easily, but that's, that's me seeking another extreme, another, yeah. like I'm always seeking the most um, drastic edge. And that's, again, a quote unquote positive thing. Like it's a, it's a not quote unquote, it's a very positive thing. It was a beautiful spiritual experience, uh, tremendously spiritual, powerful for me. I get praised for it all the time. I mean, people think I'm crazy, but they still, <laughs> like, that's awesome, you know? Whereas uh, the reality is I'm still, and, you, and it's a hard dance to figure out what am I doing to avoid the, uh, you know, avoid certain things that I might not want to confront. Because my pattern is to go to the edges and I have to notice that pattern. So today, like now I'm really seeking out the other edge. My, um, the edge I'm always seeking is suffering, right? Like let me seek out the next struggle, the struggle, the struggle. So even stillness, I'll seek out the most intense way to practice stillness, that yeah. struggle, seven days in darkness. So I'm working now on balancing it with the other side of the duality of comfort. And like to this day, when I hear the word comfort, it's like, ah, comfort equals enemy. You know, I have a negative relationship to comfort as opposed to a negative relationship to fear. I mean, the whole ethos of fearvana is to seek out fear to find bliss. And so comfort itself triggers negativity in me versus, uh, you know, something that's, oh, good. But there's value. Obviously, you need comfort too. It's not just the edges, right? And then what happens is when you keep seeking out the, the suffering, the pain, you will start creating it in your life at a subconscious level in other areas that you don't want. And I've found that to be kind of present. So uh, uh, you have to like a lot of self-awareness to figure out. And a good, a good tool is to always look at the, what, what the duality, like I've been touching on the word duality a lot, right? Like if, if I'm seeking out suffering all the time and I'm seeing my life present suffering all the time, that might say something like, and what does that tell you? So there's all kinds of dualities in life. You know, there's like ego, humility, contentment, discontentment, the darkness, the light, um, actually a whole list of dualities that I keep writing down and you find one where you're struggling and look for the other edge. And over there you'll find something because it's that it's the yin and yang, you know, it's the, it's the two forces that are seemingly contradictory and they're not, neither force is an enemy, even like in the context of let's say darkness and light, people demonize the darkness. Don't, you know, paint the darkness is bad. Only light is good. And that's not true. There's beauty in darkness too, uh, in your own darkness, in your own pain, you got to find it. So, there's no bad or good in the duality. There just is. The key is to recognize where you are on one and engage both ends because in, in the middle and not in the middle, because usually nobody's in the middle, but like I'll always be somebody who's on the side of suffering as opposed yeah. to comfort, but you find the edges and you explore them because you need to, otherwise you get caught up. And when you get caught up, that can send you, I mean, my addiction to that could kill me really if I'm not too careful. Sure. <laughs> Well, so, so for one, uh, you know, I, I just listened to the Aubrey Marcus podcast, like I think last Friday or yeah, Friday where he went into the darkness and he mentioned your name and I meant to go back and listen to your episode, but I haven't had a chance to yet, but I remember listening to that. And it's, again, one of the things that I was going to get into a couple of minutes ago when I said a couple of things that came to mind was, you know, I've had this thing that I want to go skydiving because I have, a, I have a fear of heights and I'm like, well, if I face that fear at the biggest way that I can, will it help me overcome it? But now you're making me look at it a different way. And it's the same thing that happened when I heard that episode of, of, of Arbor Marx's podcast. Not that I'm 
you know, ever would, I don't know, uh, actually, I can't say that I would ever, that I've, I've thought about it, but like, there was definitely a contemplation in my head of like, hmm, maybe that's something I want to think about it too. And I, and I, and I wonder if, like you're saying, when it comes to these extremes, if we tend to just look at them because either we're trying to escape something else or again, it just, it's weird. Cause like I had never even heard of that sort of activity before that day. And then when you hear him and you hear him talk about his experience of it. And like I said, now I want to go back to your episode cause I'm sure you shared on there and, and you've shared a bit already today, but it just makes me wonder like, is there more to this reason for me wanting to do these things? And then the other thing that came to mind is when you talked about the dualities and the comfort and the struggle is I look at how many people I feel like get stuck on the comfort side of things these days. Right. And so now it's sort of making me wonder, you know, again, just more like, I don't know. I, I, I my mind's sort of blown right now because <laughs> I've never, I've never sort of looked at it in this sort of way. I've or always, I've been saying a lot recently, you know, like the most growth you can have in your life is outside your comfort zone, but I've never looked at it in the extreme that you're looking at it where it's, you know, there's sort of going towards the extremes and then there's the comfort I'm talking about, you know, go outside your comfort zone and things like, uh, you know, I said this to somebody yesterday where they're they're coming on my podcast um, in a couple of weeks and it's their first podcast. And I was like, well, you know, of course, it's going to be hard and it's going to seem weird. But after you do a few more, then you'll realize that it wasn't as hard or complicated as you thought. But that's a very minute example in comparison to, you know, the comforts and the extremes. So, again, it's just to me, it's I don't know. You, you give me a lot to think about in a very <laughs> short period of time. <laughs> <laughs> no, glad to hear. But, you know, even on the point you just touched on is that. The, when you say sort of minute thing, and I get it, like I get what you mean. It is like it seems, you know, objectively, externally, it's minute compared to, let's say, darkness or climbing a mountain in Himalaya or going to war. But to the brain, fear is fear, right? It doesn't attach a context to fear. Like somebody coming on a podcast, like I knew somebody who was traveling to Iceland by himself, not on some extreme expedition, like going to Iceland, staying in hotels, you know, just to wreck your ego, whatever. And he felt fear around that, like as much fear as I would feel climbing a mountain in the Himalayas. Now, the world perceives those two experiences differently, right? Like they'll say, that's, that's, Himalayas is scary. This is what, who cares? But then that's the problem is because of that, we judge ourselves for the fear. Feel fear where you feel fear. Like there's no, there's no good, bad about it. Let go of the judgment around it. So if, if you, if he feels scared around coming to a podcast for the first time, I'm, you know, I was nervous the first podcast interview I did. And now it's been many, many years and I'm obviously much more confident and you get better at it too. So it, there's no, there's like, we have to let go of the external objective nature of the thing causing the fear or the nerves or whatever, and understand that fear is fear. So whatever it is, step out of your line. Like, you know, it might be entering a podcast first time, and then you might be going skydiving. And, and there's all value in all of that. I think, I think exploring the edges, exploring your fears, like you're scared of heights to so go skydiving is awesome. You know, I was scared of heights, so I went skydiving. I was scared of tight spaces, so I went caving, you know? And undoubtedly, with 100% certainty, I can say those experiences pushing my fears have built in me a confidence, a resilience. But that doesn't mean later on new stuff won't show up, new challenges won't show up, things will... Mind is a beast, man. It can mess with you. So, <laughs> so you got to be careful and, um, and just understand it. And that's why, and like for me, again, because... It, and like you were touching on earlier, like comfort is definitely an enemy. Comfort is going to create much more suffering because if you just stay in comfort, that creates all kinds of internal suffering, right? So you got to go into those spaces outside your comfort zone, stepping into the suffering, stepping into the pain. But for me, I had just realized that I've taken it like too far, that I'm seeking it everywhere and everything. 
and that itself can become the enemy. I mean, like great, like as a very you know example of that, the best athletes in the world, as much as they commit to training, they commit to recovery. They spend the time recovering. I mean, they they spend the time, the energy. I mean, a lot of time getting in the sleep, doing the recovery work, the ice baths, the compression boots, whatever it may be. You know, so you gotta gotta balance the the the, the training with the recovery. No, again, I think one point that I sort of heard you made there, which really stuck with me, is that a lot of this whole, I guess, even what I said about it being minute is sort of a society thing. And a lot of things that I think in our lives are driven by society. It's the same thing as, you know, when people talk about success, the societal norm of success is Mm -hmm. money and cars and houses and things. Whereas every person's actual definition, even for me over the last couple of years, I've redefined success for myself. You know, for years it was, you know, having a certain salary, having a certain job title and so on and so forth. And now I've kind of come to the realization that that really has nothing to do with success when it comes to to my definition and and my own life. But again, those societal norms tend to sort of put us into these places or these thoughts and ideas of of, what comfort is or what extremes are. So again, more to think about. And the other thing that I find odd and, and, you know, these are I don't know how to put it, I guess, the, the coincidences in life. But this morning I did the meditation. I've been doing a daily meditation. I was doing it for like two and a half months last year. And then I stopped. And now I've gotten back into it in the last couple of weeks. And today's meditation was exactly what we're sort of talking about, funny enough, was about getting outside your comfort zone. And I found it interesting how, because after I meditate, I journal. And it, and it really made me start to contemplate like what is the next thing outside my comfort zone? Cause like you said, you know, when it comes to different things for different people, when I started this podcast, as much as I'm a talkative person and, and I don't usually have pe- problems, you know, networking with people and whatever it might be, there was definitely a huge amount of nerves and it was definitely outside my comfort zone starting yeah. this brand new thing. Right. So, sure. um, so again, yeah, just, I don't know. It was just a weird thing that this morning we're talking, we're talking about it now. And this morning I had that meditation. Yeah. It's sort yeah. of funny to me when these <laughs> things happen. So, Totally. And I do think, you know, to your point too, is that we, that, that the societal constructs of comfort and, um, and, and what the struggle is, it's hard to, and even the definition of success, all this stuff, it's really hard to be present to how much society is shaping our perspective because it, it does all the time. The references, I mean, from the young age, the, the, what our parents have taught us, what the world has taught us has shaped our lens. It's really important to first recognize that it is just the lens of the world. It's not real. Our experience of the world is not real. It's an experience that's been shaped by everything that's molded us, including society's definition of success. So it's, it's really hard to separate yourself uh, from that, and, but it's equally important to do that. And it's not to say it won't have an effect on you because it will. Like we're societal creatures. We, you know, just evolutionary speaking, we're tribal creatures. We, we need the, the sense of belonging, but we we got to temper that again that like the duality right like temper what the world says this is how to be who to be what to do all this kind of stuff and say okay maybe that that might be right but maybe this isn't and maybe this isn't for me you know so you find again those those edges and explore them it's an interesting it's a constant battle man it's a constant battle no it's like i said you're making me think of a lot more about it because in the past i wouldn't have thought about it so like as this battle i just sort of i guess i looked at it a little like on a lower much lower level because i haven't faced any intense you know struggle or suffering and then been on the other side of it but you're definitely 
the, even though you're like you said, the word duality has come up over and over again, you're, you're, you're making me contemplate it now because it's just making me think about a lot of things in my own life over the last mm. little while as well. The other thing that's coming to mind is something that's come up from past guests and it's in terms of like tying your identity to certain things. And I feel like you've even sort of touched on that in some ways is that we can get caught up. Like for me, for years, I was Brian the salesman. And I say that now as a joke on my podcast, but it literally was like me. I was, anybody asked me what I do, I was like, I'm in sales. And even my wife asked me five, six years ago, what are you going to do with the rest of your life? And I was like, sales. So, you know, I tied my identity to being a salesman so much so that I didn't explore anything else like in my life up until a few years ago when I got let go from a sales job. And then I was like, maybe there's a reason that I keep moving jobs and quitting and, and, you know, getting let go. Like maybe there's a reason to this. And when I started to sort of yeah. look within myself, I realized, well, maybe I've tied my identity too much to that thing. So I don't know if you want to touch on that subject at all, but it's just something that sort of came to mind when I think about past guests and even a lot of what you've talked about. today. Yeah. I mean, so true. We, we attach ourselves to every, to all kinds of things, not just like, the our job but even to our emotions you know then this is a big one i think it's even more going kind of more internal with it is that we attach ourselves to emotions we'll say things like i am scared you know people with mental like i've worked with people they'll say i am depressed i have depression that becomes who they are and as a result they attach their identity to it and then, then the identity then shapes them you know it's the cyclical process right this if this is me then i respond to the world with this way my response to the environment is through this persona this person is who is depressed or whatever as opposed to saying something like you know my brain goes through a state of depression from time to time but i'm not my brain my brain is not me and you know so in this labeling labeling of our emotions labeling of who we are Sometimes the counter that people have said is, am I denying reality if I'm not labeling? And that's not true. You're not denying reality. So I could, I could say without a doubt, if I put my brain in a brain scan, I probably have some flawed dopamine wiring in there that has made me such an addictive kind of person, right? I haven't put my brain in a brain scan, but I would, I would be shocked if it's not that way. Yeah. So I can accept the reality of that, that my brain has these, but that's not me. So it's almost like you're looking at two selves, right? There's the self that has been shaped by the world. And I'm, I'm aware of that. I'm accepting it. I'm not denying it. I'm not saying that's not me, you know, like that, that, that's part of it. But the me I'm attaching myself onto is not the label. It's something beyond that. And that something beyond that is where we can get into a much deeper existential conversation about what is that something beyond that. But at a very simple level, I would say that something beyond that is to ask yourself that, not that question, who am I? I think that's kind of a flawed question. So it's not about who am I? It's about who am I becoming? Who am I evolving into? And that's the, other, that's the higher self. What do you even call it? the divine self, the conscious self? That's the other self beyond the labels is who am I becoming? And you can obviously say a label to that. I'm becoming X label. I'm becoming that. But you're not that, right? I'm becoming something more. And, um, and again, there's a lot deeper into that existential conversation of the, <laughs> nature of the higher self. But um but that's what matters is kind of acknowledging the two selves. You're not denying an element of reality. Like I am this, you know, my, my, you could generally have states of depression in your brain, but don't make it you don't make it your identity. Say, okay, I have this, but I can choose to step outside of it to transcend it, to become something more, you know, and even in the becoming, there'll be a label. I could step outside of my addiction to become an explorer or a runner. You know, today I'm an ultra runner as well. 
and uh, and that's a label, but I'm choosing to continue to go down that path. And then beyond the label, there's a lot more to that. <laughs> no, no. I, again, you're just making me think a lot. And even tomorrow, I'm thinking in my journal, I want to start with I am becoming because it's a, a, a great way, in my opinion, to look at things rather than sort of getting stuck at where you're at right now, which is, I think, what a lot of us do. I've had a lot of the, the, these moments recently of like negative self-talk or just getting stuck in like, you know, where I'm at right now. And it's making me think, you know, if I were to look at my life in that way, in that sense of like, what am I becoming? What do I want to become? How it might open me up to a little bit more? Because again, it's not like for me right now, I'm not going to say that, you know, I'm dissatisfied with where I'm at. I'm at a really good place right now. And I'm, I'm happy that I've become as open as I am because before today or before, you know, recently, this conversation probably would have never happened because I would have been the type of person that would have thought everything that's coming out of your mouth is made up or woo woo or whatever you want to call it. But now just in the last few years, how much more open I've become through reading podcasts, whatever it might be conversations that I've been having. It's just making me think a lot more and, and I'm not shutting off to certain things or closing off to certain things. And, and like I said, I'm really happy about that, but I know that there's still a lot more growth to go. I, I know I'm really just touching the edges and, and just on the verge and, Um, But I appreciate sort of these tips and things that I get. I've said many times on multiple episodes, I think I learned just as much as any of my listeners, which is the most awesome part about doing this. Um, So, yeah. So, so I guess, you know, if you could say, you know, if you could put it all together, like what, how would you say that everything that you've gone through has helped you get to where you're at right now has helped you get to this point with the book, with the the business, everything, like how, how has all those experiences from the past helped you get to this point? You know, they've shaped my, um, my understanding of the world and ultimately understanding of what I would say is the most important skill to master in life is to develop a positive relationship with the experience of suffering. And even to understand that that is the most important skill to master because that's everything is how do we navigate suffering? You know, people always ask that question, why do bad things happen to good people? Why, why, how do we navigate struggle will shape our life? It's easy when life is good. We all know that. There's no nothing. Life is great. There's, it's easy to navigate those times. What we do in the challenging times will shape us and that will define our lives. And so all of this has led me to the understanding, like I touched on, you know, even from joining boot camp, and I wasn't consciously aware of this when I joined the Marines, but looking back, that's when I first started to find the beauty in suffering because I hadn't really gone through struggle. I mean, you know, arguably moving four times was hard as a kid, but now looking back to that compared to everything else I've been to, that's like, whatever, you know? Uh, So, um, uh, so that was when I started to find the beauty in adversity. And now everything I do with Firavana is that to, is, is to help people develop a positive relationship with the experience of suffering, which is a hard battle to do because the nature of suffering is that it sucks. It's not fun. It's, it's hard. That's, that's what suffering is. That's what pain is. But it is hard. It is beautiful when you start to develop that positive relationship to, to doing that. And there's all kinds of ways. I mean, practice it in what I call your worthy suffering. Like I run ultra marathons. I spend seven days in darkness. I climb mountains. You don't have to do that. You know, it could be very different. I have a friend who's about to be a grandmaster in chess. That's not easy. She struggles. She feels fear before a game. And that's her worthy struggle. Could be writing movies. It could be starting a podcast, you know. So seek out a worthy struggle, a worthy challenge. Push yourself into those spaces is what the world has taught me is, I mean, all these life experiences taught me is that, that we need to go into those spaces. And, and the unfortunate reality is that we demonize everything about struggle. Like often in my talks, I'll ask people, when you hear the word fear, stress, anxiety, suffering, pain, adversity, who hears those words and think of, thinks of something positive? You could do this anywhere in the world. Nobody thinks of them as something positive. That's the problem. 
So a big part of my work is to help people reframe their relationship to the experience of suffering at any of any kind and stop demonizing it, which the world does all the time, right? Like manage stress, eliminate stress, be fearless, don't be scared. Anxiety was bad. Like that's not the case. There's no bad emotions. Guilt is not bad. Anger is not bad. Sadness is not bad. We need those emotions too. I always like to say that happiness is not the elimination of sadness. Happiness is the ability to find the gift in sadness. So really kind of understanding in, in, through this life experience that the, the greatest problem is the demonization of struggle and the greatest need consequently is to fall in love with the experience of struggle. And I, all I have to say right now is my gut feeling about you being a perfect guest for this podcast was like, per, was absolutely right because literally wow. everything you just said right now is, is the point of this podcast is to make people understand that these struggles, the vulnerable situations, the adversities, whatever way you want to look at it, that there's something we can learn from them. I mean, the whole subtitle of my podcast is stories of struggle leading to success. And, and as much as, again, I probably have to redefine that because success is a tricky word. But the point is, is like, if people were to really look at their struggles and what it put them through, they would learn that, like you just said a few minutes ago, that there was something for, that they gained from it. There was a lesson, there was whatever it might be, there, there's something that we can gain from that. And for me, that's really like the, the, the crux of this podcast is because I think, again, too many of us, we go through struggles, we go through suffering or whatever it might be, and we get stuck there. We just were like, life sucks. I can't do anything about this. Yeah. You know, and, and again, whether it's society, whether it's even, you know, I'm thinking, of, you know, healthcare, you know, like in terms of doctors and stuff like that, when we go to them and we tell them we're going through this, it's usually like, well, here's this drug or here's this to take over. And, and, we're not learning how to sort of deal with it and how to work through it. And then how to also, like I said, learn from it. So again, yeah. I just, like, like I said, I couldn't have, I, 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 there's been times where I've said, I wish some of my guests would take over my podcast because <laughs> it's like, it's the, the, the messages that I'm trying to get through. And, and what yeah. you just said there is exactly what I'm trying to get through. To people. And I hope if, yeah. you know, if they, if they took anything from the whole episode, it'd be that little sort of tangent you went on there. Because again, I think that that's the most important part of looking at our suffering and looking yeah. at our struggles, finding out what we can learn from it. Yeah. And just to echo off that point, one key thing real quick about that is that because we live in a world where we pursue happiness, I mean, the pursuit of happiness is what we say in America, right? That's a deeply flawed concept, mm -hmm. <laughs> deeply flawed. We are always saying, I'll be happy when I get this, when I get the million dollars, when I get the car, right. when I get the house. That's what we think will get us to where we're getting, but we're going to get there and there'll be new problems. So that's like part of the why we, part of the why which we demonize suffering is because we pursue happiness. So suffering is in the way of that. That's yeah. not the case. Pursue meaning and then you will find suffering. Then you will find some suffering beautiful. So that's, a, that, that's part of the, the challenge in especially uh, Western culture or, uh, you know, arguably uh, American, but in all cultures, especially in the modern world, I would say, is that our pursuit of happiness and comfort. So as a result, we inevitably perceive suffering as a barrier to that, which is far from true. <laughs> no, and I think one thing that came to mind as you're saying that, and that that's helped me a lot, is the practice of gratitude. Um, I think that that's one thing for me that's completely changed my life because I think you're right. For years, I was pursuing happiness as when I have this, you know, when I make $100,000 a year, when I yeah. buy this house, when I do this, then I'm going to be happier. I'm going to feel more fulfilled. What gratitude has brought into my life has made me realize that 
it's the smallest things that we have to be happy for rather than trying to pursue more we have to be satisfied with what we have now Mm -hmm. and then that way we can reach more so i don't know if that relates to what you're saying but absolutely it's just something that you know has come to fruition for me in terms of just and it's i don't even do anything crazy it's literally you know whether it's in my journal or just in general throughout the day i just think of things that i'm grateful for you know in my journal every day i write two things that i'm grateful for at the end of my journal just mm. two simple things it doesn't and i think that's another thing where we're like you know the world like you're saying in this pursuit of happiness even in gratitude and everything everybody thinks that it has to be like these big you know five minutes of gratitude or you got to write certain things or 10 things or it just doing it at, at, at all i think makes a difference and again so Absolutely. i just you know just something that came to mind as you were saying that yeah, totally agree. It's, it's a very valuable exercise. So would you say that at this point in your life, with everything that you've got going on, would you say that you've found success and fulfillment? Or would you say that you're still on a journey towards it? And I know success is, again, that tricky word, but just in your sort of opinion and your definition of it, would you say that you found it or that you're still moving towards it? Uh, a bit of both, I would say. I mean, yeah, I found success by many measures in terms of everything I've shared, the life that I've lived, a book. I mean, my book has done really well. The Dalai Lama wrote the forward for my book, which was oh, a wow. very blessed by that. Uh, and thankfully, it's rich people have built a business, made an impact in people's lives. So, you know, I've had successes uh, along, quote unquote, putting the quote unquote in there <laughs> along the way. But there is more to be sought, not just in terms of external successes that I want, you know, external quote unquote successes, but more ultimately the external is irrelevant to the internal, right? Like what are we actually creating? So without a doubt, there's more to be sought after. There's more learnings to be had. There's more that I'm seeking um, along the way. So yeah, it's a bit of both. I can acknowledge the, the full, the, the rewards that have happened, the, the successes that have happened and acknowledge that successes are yet to come. So ultimately what does that mean is that Success is really a moment-to-moment thing, right? Like, am I successful in what I have done in this moment? You know, am I, and success is your own definition as you've established of that is, you know, have I fulfilled um, my purpose this day, my meaning this day, you know? If, the, if so, that's a success. And it doesn't mean that you're not striving for more, but acknowledging the process over the payoff is really important. By no means am I perfect at it. <laughs> Uh, it's still a work in progress to to celebrate the process over the payoff. No, for sure. It's something that, again, just so that comes to mind as you're saying that is, is that I think a lot of us need to, and, and through meditation, I'm getting better at it. And I know, again, I still got a ways to go, but it's something that really came to mind when you were saying all that is being more present is just recognizing that, like you're saying, am I successful today? Am I fulfilled for today through what I've done? Yes yeah. or no? That's more of what we got to focus on rather than so far into the future because otherwise yeah. we're in that pursuit like you just talked about a couple of minutes it's ago. miserable and God knows I get that. I've been there <laughs> many times still navigating it. Yeah. No, for, and I think, I think it's something that I feel like we're going to be navigating a lot of these things for the better part of our life, if not our yeah. entire life. But yeah. as long as we can get a little bit better each day, month, week, year, whatever, I think that's something to be proud of in, yeah. in, in my opinion yeah so la- last question that i i ask uh, and then you know there's only a couple more th- things uh before we end the podcast but the last question i ask is if people were to listen back to this there's tons that they can take away from it if they're to you know take notes and and jot down things i, I know there's tons of lessons that could be learned but if you could give our listeners three key takeaways three lessons that they could implement into their own life to overcome their own struggles and everything um, from your from your journey, what would you say those three key takeaways would be? Uh, number one, separate yourself 
from not just the emotion, but the external reality. Don't get attached as to your identity for, to the external thing. Like I am this lack of money. I am poor. Like don't get attached. So separate your yourself, that higher self from the internal and the external isness of the world. Number two, clarity, clarity of purpose, clarity of meaning. So focus on something else beyond the thing, right? Okay. I'm going through this struggle, but it's in service of this. It's hard building. I'm going through the struggle of building my business, but it's in service of the impact or whatever, right? Uh, it, was, it was hard writing a book, but it's in something else. So focus on something else. And uh, I would argue that, and not just I would argue, there's neuroscience evidence to prove it, is that when you focus on something beyond you in terms of how this goal would serve others, it's not just in a spiritual and kind of personal way, more fulfilling, even in a neurological way. It's been shown to help release oxytocin in your brain, which is the love hormone, which helps you move through fear. So clarity of purpose and meaning to your life for yourself and for others, how it will serve others. And then number three, perhaps most importantly, is continue to practice. And this is a constant practice, even for me, no matter where you are in the journey, to consistently train to de develop that positive relationship to suffering. So my sort of mantra that I even have written here on a little band is to suffer well. Two-word mantra is suffer well, suffer well. So whenever you're going through it, suffer well. Dostoevsky has a beautiful quote that he says, my greatest dread is that I will not be worthy of my suffering. So learn to and create, look for, create the beauty in the suffering to be worthy of your suffering. Oh, solid three, man. And that last one, and, and I know we brought it up throughout the podcast, but that last one is going to stick with me just because, again, I think it's sort of, like I said, it's the, the message I'm trying to get behind this podcast. And it's something that I'm learning, like I said, as well, is that if we really look at those struggles and those sufferings, there's something to learn from them. And like you said, there's, there is a certain beauty in them, but we really have to look at them you know, in a better way rather than, you know, getting down on ourselves and being negative about it. So again, a solid three. So the last thing I do as we, we end off the podcast is I want to give my listeners an opportunity to sort of promote themselves. You've taken the time to come on here and share so openly with my listeners. So I just want to allow you to have the opportunity to sort of let us know what you're up to as well as, you know, where we can find you. I, I like I said, I found you on Instagram, but if there's any other social channels you want to promote yeah. or whatever, the floor is yours. Go ahead. Uh, sure. Yeah. You can find me on Instagram at Fearvana. YouTube at Fearvana. My book, Fearvana, is on Amazon in Kindle Audible paperback. All the profits from the book go to charity as well. Um, and fearvana.com. So those are, and that's F E A R V A N A. Fearvana. Perfect. I'll have all that in the show notes for sure. Um, yeah, man, like I said, I really appreciate you sort of taking the chance here because we didn't really know each other for more than all of uh, five minutes before you said you would come on. And I think you booked shortly after that too. Um, and this has definitely been an impactful one for myself. And I know it will be uh, equally, I, I would think, for my listeners because, again, it's you, you've just given me a lot of different perspectives. And that's something I really enjoy gaining from different episodes and different guests is gaining new perspectives on life and, and just different things. And you've given me a ton of them today. So, you know, thank you for coming on. Thank you for being so open and, and yeah, I appreciate you, man. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. Take care. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe. And follow the podcast on Instagram at vulnerable.podcast or on Facebook and LinkedIn. You can also follow me, Brian Almeida, by searching my name on all platforms. If the podcast has impacted you in any way, I would also greatly appreciate a review. Lastly, if you know anyone with a great story of going from struggle to success, I would love to have them on. Thank you and see you next week.